we have been going through this series called Discover Your Treasure House from the book of Ephesians. And if there's one thing I'm constantly emphasizing and conscious of that you understand this epistle in the historical context in which it was written, and that is the only way we can apply it to our today life. And back when the Apostle Paul was writing this particular epistle in the ancient Roman culture, the father had an absolute power over his family. He literally could sell his children. He could work them in the fields in chains. He literally could inflict pain, physical pain. And ultimately, he can execute death penalty. Absolute power in the home. Not only that, but the power of the father extended over his children for all of his life. Even when a son becomes an adult, even when a son becomes a government official in Rome, or even if a son becomes a crown for his achievement in Rome, he remains under his father's authority all of the father's life. In fact, like our culture, Rome practiced abortion, except they practiced abortion outside of the womb, not inside the womb. When a baby is born, he was brought and was placed at the feet of the father. And if the father looked at the baby and bent down to scoop him and pick him up, that baby made it. But if the father would turn his back and walk away, that baby was discarded. During the time when the Apostle Paul was writing his epistles, and particularly this one that he is writing to the Ephesians, many a parents have left their children at the Roman Forum, and there were left to fend for themselves. Many people would come at night and pick them up, and they would take them to nourish them and feed them. No, not because they loved them, uh, but in order that they may grow up so they can sell them either as slaves or to brothels. And so, when I said to you in the last message that only Jesus Christ and the Christian faith truly liberated women, I can say the same thing, that only Jesus Christ and the Christian faith, without a shadow of doubt, gave dignity and love to children. Even in Jewish culture, were shunned and kept out of sight. And even the disciples were about to do that when the kids were coming after Jesus. And yet, he pronounced this revolutionary statement, this statement that was unheard of, even in Jewish culture, which has had more compassion on children than the Roman culture. Let the children come unto me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. That was unheard of. That was a radical statement back then. And that's why the Apostle Paul builds on this incredible, revolutionary, radical teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ about the love for children. In fact, the fact that Paul would write this much space in Ephesians and Colossians and other passages about children is a radical thing in itself. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, Paul teaches the children, says, because Jesus lifted you up, because Jesus gave you dignity, because Jesus blessed you, because Jesus loved you, 
Therefore, you must not make that to be an excuse for disobeying your parents or be rude to them. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, you notice he didn't say, children, obey your parents when you feel like it, or children, obey your parents when you agree with them, or children, obey your parents when you think they are right, for that's right. He didn't say, children, obey your parents when you want something from them. Now, this is, of course, a command to Christian children who are growing in a Christian home who are living under their parents' roof, or at least they are financially dependent on their parents. They're under their parents' authority. But when children become adults, they leave and they cleave. They leave their parents' authority. Of course, adult children are to honor and respect their parents, but not necessarily obey them. Uh, They are to use their parents as a a frame of reference or a point of reference, but not to be in submission to them. They are to care for their parents, but not out of guilt. Listen to me. I have lived long enough to see this. There are so many adult children who have never cut the umbilical cord. And there are so many parents of adult children who never let go, always want their children to do what they want them to do. Mom and dad, when your kids grow up, they're on their own. Why is it important for those who are living under mom and dad's roof, those who are dependent on mom and dad, those who have not grown up yet, why are they to obey? Why is it that they have to obey the parents in the Lord? Well, several reasons. Number one is that when a child grows up learning to obey his or her mom and dad, when they become an adult, they will obey their heavenly father. When a child is trained to respect and to submit to mom and dad's authority, will grow up and be an adult who will submit to the heavenly father's authority. When a child is brought up to respond positively to the commands and the directions of mom and dad, they will grow up to be adults who will respond positively to the command of their heavenly father in the word of God. You know, I often say to every young parents before baptism is is that to understand that our children are not ours. They're really not. We think they are. (laughs) We call them our children. They're not our children. They're God's children. And He entrusts us to manage them for Him. They belong to God. And God gives them to us. He uses us as stewards Even Christians fall in this trap and think that their possessions and their money and whatever God gave them is theirs. My net worth, my money, my possession. They're not ours. You want to prove it? Take them all with you to the grave. (laughs) You can't. They're not yours. They are His. And He entrusts you with these possessions. He entrusts you with the money. He entrusts you with the things you have. And He says, you be my manager on the here on earth for what I have placed in your hands. And it's the same thing with our children. Listen to me very carefully, please. <laughs> All we have is a proxy authority. That's it. We have a proxy authority. That's why we have to bring our children in the Word of God. It's not because Dad says so, but because God said so. <laughs> They are on loan from God to us. And that is why they are to obey the parents. And you know, if he did not say in the Lord, 
It would have been another form of dictatorship. But he said to obey in the Lord. In other words, the parents will rule by the Word of God, and the Word of God will penetrate deep in the child's heart, and he will grow, she will grow to know and love Jesus. But what does it mean to obey and honor your parents? It means to highly value your parents. It means to highly esteem your parents. It means to highly respect your parents. It means to highly regard your parents. And this obedience or honor to the parents is so important to God that He placed it in one of the Ten Commandments. But that's not all. It is the only commandment that is accompanied with promise. All the other commandments, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. This one says, obey your parents so that, and here's the promise, accompanied that commandment, that you may be blessed. It means that when we honor, respect, and revere and obey our parents, God has a special blessing in store for us. In the Old Testament, of course, that blessing was associated with living long in the land of promise. But in the New Testament, that blessing is without limit. Why? Because God knew that the child who will honor, respect, revere, and obey the parents will grow up to be an adult who will honor, revere, and respect God and His Word, obey God and His Word, and that causes true blessings in your life and in mine. Adult children, at the sound of my voice, who are at odds with their parents. Maybe some don't even talk to their parents. Some may be angry at their parents. Whatever it is that caused that relationship to sour, listen to me very carefully. I could not leave this passage without bringing you that word of exhortation. It doesn't matter what the reason is. What you need to do is to either call your parents, go to your parents, and you must say to your parents, God commands me to honor you, to respect you, to revere you, even though I cannot obey you because I'm an adult now. But nonetheless, I want to do that because I know that God said there is a blessing associated with that. Whatever come between you and honoring and respecting and revering your parents, I plead with you, go and ask for their forgiveness. You do that. And watch out and see the blessings of God that you can't even imagine begin to come your way. You know, I told you that for the children to be mentioned in the New Testament, to be mentioned in the Gospels, and then to be mentioned here for Paul to give them their own Space is radical, is revolutionary in terms of the culture of the day. What Paul tells the parents to do is also revolutionary, is radical in terms of the culture of the day. Listen to what he says, verse 4. Parents. I know some of your translation says fathers. Well, the word actually can be used, the Greek word can be used interchangeably. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke in some translation. Instead, train them in the instruction of the Lord. Personal trainers is a big thing now, and I'm glad for it. I think personal trainers, whether it be in physical training or in the area of eating or the physiotherapist, I mean, I think they are wonderful. They are invaluable. In fact, I think in the area of the Olympic training, the trainer is worth his weight in gold. You know why? Because a trainer can truly have, can influence the athlete either 
to be a winner or a loser. And in the same word, the Apostle Paul is using here to train your children. You are a personal trainer, mom and dad, grandpa and grandma. You are a personal trainer. You are to train them. And I'm convinced that parents can make a difference in the lives of their children in the way they train them. Whether they can be winners or losers. And I'm not talking about money and I'm not talking about climbing the corporate ladder. I'm not talking about achievements in terms of the world. I'm talking about spiritual battle. Whether they be winners of the spiritual war or losers. Parents can make a difference in that. So here's the question. How do you do that in practical terms? By not exasperating, not provoking them. I want to tell you seven things from my own personal failure from my own mistakes that I have made. I have stumbled many a times on parenting highway. And I thank God that now we can talk about it as adults. Sometimes I think my kids exaggerate a little bit, but that's all right. (laughs) I let them have at it, you know, that's fine. (laughs) How do you practically not provoke or exasperate your children? Number one, know the stages of giving your children gradual responsibilities. Know the stages. If you place the same restriction on a 13-year-old as you did when they were six, you'll cause them to be exasperated. Teach them how to make decisions for themselves gradually, day by day, month by month, year by year. In other words, let the leash out just one inch at a time. And whatever you do, give them room to fail. Because Overprotection at any age is not only a cause for provocation, it will rob them of training them of being self-sufficient. Number two, be very careful with favoritism. You know how Isaac and Rebecca, one favorite Esau, one favorite Jacob. Jacob grows up. He favored Joseph, and the sin continued from generation to generation. That sin needs to stop. Favoritism will cause deep resentment in a child's heart. Number three, don't push them hard in the area where they lack the aptitude. Listen carefully. Study your children. If they're not athletic, don't try to live your athletic dreams through them. If they're not artistic, don't try to live your artistic dreams through them. Let them be who they are. Because if you try to force them in an area where they don't have aptitude, you are going to manage to provoke them and exasperate them. Find out which way they are bent and build up that area. Lift up that area. Encourage that area. Not in the area where they're not good at. Number four, building on this one, don't remind them of what they're not good at. Once you figure out this is not the area of their aptitude, that's not, don't remind them, say, man, I wish you were an athlete. (laughs) Look at this guy. I mean, he can hit the ball. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. I I wish you could do that. Don't remind them of that. Remind them of what they're good at. Build them up in the area of their strength, not in their weaknesses. Remind them of how Each of us are different. How God gives us all different gifts. He doesn't give us all the same gifts. And that they need not worry about the gifts that they don't have, but focus on the gift that they have. Improve on that. Work on that. Use that. That will encourage them no end. Every child needs his parents' encouragement and approval. And that is why 
finding their strength and building them up in their strength will not only avoid exasperating and provoking them, it will motivate them to succeed. Number five, don't even give them a hint that they are a burden or that they are a nuisance or they kind of come in the way between you and accomplishing your goal and achieving your goal and succeeding in the world and succeeding in life. Don't try that. I know, I have a friend who's a very prominent evangelical leader, and he shared with me one time with pain in his heart, he said, before I became a Christian, he said, I used to tell my kids, they are just nuisance. They are in the way. They are sort of hindering to me. I saw my family as they just getting in the way of what I needed to accomplish in life. And he said, after I gave my life to Christ, I've been spending the rest of my life undoing what I have done. Instead, always remind them that they are truly a gift of God. That they're precious in his sight. That he knew them before the foundation of the world. Before they were in their mother's womb. And how honored you are to be entrusted by God. To bring them up for him in the fear and nurture of the Lord. Number six. Don't remind them of how good they've got it than you did growing up. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I'm telling you, this is incredible. It's incredible temptation for the parents. But remember this, everything they have, you gave them. (laughs) So don't guilt them for what you gave them. If they got it much better, thank God for that. Take time. Just give God praise that you got more provisions than you had when you were growing up. You know, when our kids were young and, and this subject always came up, I said, yeah, you got it easy. When I was growing up, I used to walk 10 miles school barefooted in the snow. <laughs> my kids always pop out, Dad, we did not know the snow in Egypt. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> but they got it. Number seven, don't withhold love as a tool for punishment. Listen carefully, please. Don't withhold love, your love, as a tool for punishing them. See, kids don't understand asylum treatment. They really don't. A preacher once was saying, when I was a boy, whenever I made a mistake, whenever I did the wrong thing, he said, my mother turned her back toward me and never let me see her face. And then he goes on to say, that's how God deals with us. When we sin, he turned his back on us and never let us see his face. It's not only bad theology, it's not biblical. But you are wasting tremendous opportunity for training. What an opportunity when you see a child that does the wrong thing or sin or does whatever error in his or her way, to take that as an opportunity and say, now that is the wrong way to do it. There is a right way, and that is God's way. That's what God's Word says. You know... If I have learned one thing through the years, probably can be summarized in one word. If I learned anything from all of my failures, and I say that not in false pride, it's a fact. If I learned one thing, it's one word, and that word is balance in parenting. The most important thing in parenting is to understand balance. Because when you over-empower your kids, you will help them develop a sense of entitlement. When you under-empower your kids, they will grow up without a sense of security. So the answer is what? When you overpraise your children, they will develop superficial confidence. But when you don't praise them at all, 
they will have no confidence at all. So the answer is, is an old Chinese proverb that says, one generation plants a tree and the next generation sits under its shade. As parents and grandparents, we are planting trees. We really are. We are planting trees. Future parents, you are planting trees for the children to sit under. And if you plant a tree that is lush and rich with the Word of God, not lush and rich with trinkets and guilt gifts and all kinds of things, no, lush and rich with the Word of God, they will not only live under its shade, they will survive from its fruit, and they will grow to be mighty men and women of God. And then they will rise and call you blessed. There might be somebody here today. It might be a person who had never understood what an incredible, radical, revolutionary thing for believers to be able to call the God who created the universe Father. But you see, only Jesus Christ can make that possible. Only Jesus Christ made it possible for believers to call the mighty, the awesome God who said, let there be light and there was light, the God who put all the galaxies in the heavenlies. Not the man upstairs, but Father. And it took Jesus leaving heaven, dying on a cross, and rising again to make that possible. And if you've never been able to call God as your Father, well, today you can do that. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you receive His forgiveness from His hand and that you receive the gift of eternal life, when you repent of your sins, He will allow you to call His Father your Father. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And if that's a decision that you want to make, you can pray with me. Father, what an honor and a privilege to call you Father. We're born sinners We turned our back on you. We resisted you. And yet, when we came to Christ, you gave us the privilege of calling you Father. And as a father loves a father, you are so loving. You're so patient with us. You continuously wait upon us. And you continuously persevere with us. When we live our lives as if you don't exist, you continue to love us. When we ignore you day in and day out, you continue to love us and you persevere and you're patient. And so, Father, we pray that you would train us to understand the limitation of your patience and that we learn that your patience is your way of wooing us and drawing us to you, not so that we can take you for granted. Train us, Father, as we endeavor to train the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.